You're listening to the highlights from One Planet Podcast's interview with Nick Bostrom, founding director of the Future of Humanities Institute. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. I do think, though, that there is a real possibility that within the lifetime of many people who are here today, we will see the arrival of transformative AI, machine intelligence systems that not only can automate specific tasks, but can replicate the full generality of human thinking. And so that everything that we humans can do with our brains, machines will be able to do, and in fact, do faster and more efficiently. What the consequences of that is, is very much an open question. And I think depends in part on the extent to which we manage to get our act together before these developments in terms of, on the one hand, working out there are technical issues in AI alignment, figuring out exactly the methods by which you could ensure that such very powerful cognitive engines will be aligned to our values, will actually do what we intend for them to do as opposed to something else. And then of course, also the political challenges of ensuring that such a powerful technology will be used for positive ends. We were trying to focus on ones that were neglected by academia. So we've done some work, but not very much work, for example, on climate change, not because it's not important, but because there are already many people working on that. And we thought we could make the biggest contribution by picking up some of uh, the really important questions that have traditionally been ignored by academia and maybe relegated to, I think, some of these questions, such as the future of AI, but there are also some other prospects that when we started really were not part of mainstream academic research and we thought they deserved to be. If AI actually worked out in the ideal way, then it could be an extremely powerful tool for developing solutions to climate change and many other environmental problems that we have. In the other direction, I mean, you pointed, I think, to maybe the critical issue here, which is the governance aspects, which in fact, I think is one of these core source of many of the greatest threats to human civilization and the planet, the difficulties we have in effectively tackling these global governance challenges. So global warming, I think at its core is really a problem of the global commons. So we all share the same atmosphere and the same global climate ultimately. And we have a certain reservoir. The environment can absorb a certain amount of carbon dioxide without damage. But if we put out too much, then we together face a negative consequence, right? But for any particular polluter, it seems cheaper and easier just to keep polluting. And the consequence of one more factory is kind of trivial. But when we all do this all over the world over many years, then this results. And we don't really have yet an effective way to come together globally, reliably to solve these global commons problems that we have. And hence we see the tragedy that we use up the resource of the absorptive capacity of the atmosphere, we overuse that just as we overfish the oceans and we create other problems like war in some sense can be also seen as a global coordination failure. And I think this will also present difficulties with future developments in artificial intelligence in that there might be scenarios where it would be very important to be able to coordinate, say, at some point to slow development so that we can make sure that the systems we develop, eventually super intelligent systems, have the right safeguards installed and that we have the safety technology perfected. I see ultimately more and more of the tasks that we humans uh, now have to perform ourselves being automatable that will, in the early stages, I think, 
free us up to do other kinds of work that can't yet be automated. This is what we've seen since the industrial revolution. We can, you know, have factories that perform various kinds of tasks that previously required more human laborers to do, but then those human labor like can move on to do other things. They, they can be graphics designers or podcasters or what have you, right? Eventually though, when AI becomes good enough, they can do those tasks as well. Then it's quite interesting to think about a world in which human labor is completely superfluous. If all jobs could be done by AI, could be done more cheaply and better by it, then what would we do, right? It would be a, a world without work. And I think that actually, I mean, initially it might be sounds kind of frightening, right? Where would we, how would we earn an income? What would you do all day long? I think it's also a big opportunity though, to rethink what it means to be human and what gives meaning in our lives. I think because we have been forced to work since the rise of our species, we have defined our identity and dignity around work. We would have to find some other basis for our human worth, not what we can do to produce instrumental useful outcomes, but maybe rather what we can be and experience to add value to the world by actually living happy and fulfilling lives. Right now, it's striking how much the school system is not optimized for preparing people to enjoy life. They're very much, despite the rhetoric and some little concessions to, I don't know, appreciating literature. I mean, mostly it's a kind of factory system for producing human workers. You take young kids who are wild and creative and rambunctious, and you sort of seat them in rows in a classroom and discipline them and basically teach them to be office workers. And to some extent, I guess it's a necessary thing because there is still a lot of work that has to be done in the world today. But if those things were no longer required, then there would be no reason to retain that model of education. And then I think a very different model would be suitable. In fact, I think the transformation will go much deeper than that because these same technologies that will allow us to automate human work eventually will also allow us to develop tools to change human nature itself, to reprogram our minds and our biology, the more basic level, and which then opens up an even larger set of possibilities. I think what we really face is an even profounder change into this condition where human nature becomes plastic in the sense of malleable. And we then have to think more from the ground up, what is it that ultimately brings value to the world? Once you have a system, be it biological or digital, that has the capacity, say, to experience a conscious suffering and our system with some moral status, I think it's not clear exactly what they are, but if it has preferences, self-conception, if it has life goals and can reflect on itself, whether or not it's conscious, it's plausible that itself. That, that those kind of functional attributes might ground some form of moral status. And then whether it's alive or not, I think might not be what ultimately matters morally. A digital system that was not alive, but that say could experience a horrible pain, I think still deserves moral consideration. And it's interesting because we think that it's not just human beings who have moral status, but most of us would also acknowledge that animals, at least some animals have degrees of moral status, even say a humble lab mouse that is used in medical experiments, we think needs to be treated in certain ways. And a lab mouse, I mean, it's not our current best AI systems are not light years away from a lab mouse. We're approaching the kind of level of cognitive sophistication of 
small mammals. And so I think the question now starts to arise whether some of these AI systems that we're constructing might not arguably begin soon to qualify for at least some of the lower levels of moral status. I think there's definitely a reason for concern that we will not succeed in extending our empathy as much as we should into this even more challenging domains of digital minds. And that seems even harder for the human heart to resonate with that. And so it might therefore require more conscious effort to really try to think carefully about. I think AI systems will make it easier to exert fine-grained social control to monitor populations, both their physical whereabouts, of course, with surveillance cameras and mining of the digital traces that we put out all the time. But also, I think increasingly what they are up to in their own minds. And then those will be powerful tools for regimes that use them to cement their hold on power. So in dictatorships, I think it, there are possible scenarios in which those regimes could just become more stable and immune to overthrow. In democracies, it's less clear how it plays out. I think that there will be more and more automated propaganda. One might expect on the margin, it would empower those to either control these networks or make money more capable of being converted into political influence than it is today. If there are sort of better tools for that money to buy, to use. So perhaps on the margin shifting influence more to pools of capital and platforms. It could also be that different political messages are intrinsically more suited for transmission by these AI enabled bots, like whether it polarizes people by making it easier for users themselves to censor the world. But now a lot of people are doing their own censorship by just kind of blocking out unwanted sources of information from reaching them in the first place. They kind of procure their information feed. I just don't think we have the kind of political science that would enable us to predict in advance how political equilibria will change when you start to muck around with some of these basic parameters of how our communication world works. But certainly I can see a range of different possibilities. So it's worth, even if we can't predict in advance how it will play out, we can pay attention as it unfolds and continuously debate and deliberate and, and watch and think about how we might try to nudge that in, in a healthier direction. And some of that I think will be down to us as individuals to try to not just passively absorb whatever comes at us, but think what kind of life do I want to live? We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you would like to get involved in One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.